Season two of Love and Context podcast welcomes you. Get ready for engaging unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Our mission remains unchanged to explore the Bible through the powerful lens of love. In this new season, we'll embark on a journey together, unearthing fresh insights and gaining deeper understanding of how we can love God and live out our faith in practical ways. So let's dive into this season of Love and Context, where love and the context of the Bible intersect to transform our lives. Welcome to season two of Love and Context. We made it this far. We made it this far. <laughs> uh, I think we said in our promo, all two of our listeners are still listening. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have three now. Yeah, it, it's not. Pastor Nick and his wife, and they're like making a whole nother season just for us. Well, and his wife only listens because he makes her listen. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, well, mostly I think she wants yeah. to find out if we mentioned her in the episode or not. <laughs> so, so she can argue for us to pull it down. Self-defense. Yeah. 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 So we're getting started with our first miniseries of the year, and it's going to be talking about women in the Bible. And so we thought, who's more qualified to talk about women than two middle-aged guys? completely appropriate. And Laura rolls her eyes. Yes. During the series, we actually have uh, a number of women who are going to come on and join us and talk yeah. about women throughout the Bible. So this week and next week, we have Laura Cronk, who is an illustrious member of our congregation. Yes. And we're very excited that she is here and she's just going to have a conversation with us about some things pertaining to women in the Bible. I told her to interrupt Ben as many times as many as, times as she can. I will forewarn you though that when we did we did have Pastor Sarah on here, I did put in got the mom look, got the mom look. <laughs> if we do it enough times, I'll start like tallying it on the video, and so people will actually know. When you have five kids, the mom look works. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, so can you tell people a little bit about yourself? I'm 66 years old. That means I'm pushing. I believe 70. that. I believe that means 66 years young. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I've uh, lived in Alaska since 1994. A long time. Yeah, got saved when I was 18 or 19. Yeah. Les got saved before I did, my husband. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he was instrumental in, in planting seeds that led me to the Lord. Yeah. And uh, been serving the Lord ever since. Been at First Assembly for ever since we moved to town. Yeah. And yeah, I knew you, you when you were in junior high. We, you were going to say smaller, but that wasn't technically true. Say littler, <laughs> you know, when you were younger. Yeah, I figured to, I'd qualify. I went to school with two of your kids. You did? Yeah, that was a lot of fun. They may be watching now and being like, oh boy, what what is going on here now? <laughs> you know, so we're going to be getting into, we're going to be getting into uh, the foundation of this series, which is we're going to talk about like, how does God set up women from the very beginning? So we're actually going to be recapping some things we talked about last season. And some new things that we didn't talk about last season, but we're in the text of what we were talking about. We're going to actually just dive right in. And, you know, not unlike our first episode, we're going to talk about Genesis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things we talked about while we were in uh, Genesis 1 the first time is that you actually get to the end of Genesis 1 and it says that God makes mankind in his image. It says he made uh, mankind in the image of God. In the image of God, he made mankind. Male and female, he created them. Mm -hmm. Right. And the whole context there is that it's there's division, but it's actually singular. So it's not man is made in the image of God. Man and woman together represent the image of God. Yes. Together, we actually represent the image of God in the world. And that's the, the precedent set up from Genesis 1. And we think that's really important because the second that you forget that, mm -hmm. your, your theology starts to get really twisted. We said very early on, it's shocking how often we start the story in Genesis 3. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. We start the story in Genesis three, forgetting that Genesis one actually exists. 
mm-hmm. before the garden, there is this relationship, right? There's this relationship with God and with humanity. If you actually read it in Genesis 1:26, it's you go and you read it and then uh, you have this precedent where people are like, well, men are supposed to be in authority. They're supposed to be over the woman. These different theologies that have come out. In Genesis 1:26, it says, they may rule, they will subdue, they will be fruitful and multiply. The implication is that men and women do this together. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to be done separate. It's meant to be done together. This is the precedent from the very beginning. And so we want to set the foundation now that this is the story. Mm-hmm. This is this is where we're always trying to get back to. Brad Gray, who has walkingthetext.com, we referenced him a number of times. He has a, a series he calls The Restoration of All Things. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how post-garden, everything is about coming back to the garden state. Mm-hmm. And even in the book of Revelation, you have this imagery of garden imagery, people returning to the garden. So in that, everything that we do as Christians is actually to come back to the original design. Mm-hmm. It seems counterintuitive then to buy into the fallen design rather than the God-blessed design, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, and the language that's actually used in Genesis for God as your helper and woman as your helper is the same. Yes. It's the, it's the same language that's used. So, and that sets the stage for the rest of scripture. Yeah, that's Genesis 2.18. Uh, mm-hmm. That is the Etzer Konegdo is, mm-hmm. the, is the Hebrew. One of the best descriptions that I've heard, and this is, so everybody who listens knows that I am not a builder. <laughs> I'm not a car person, a contract. You just rolled your eyes. Like one word and say that you're like, oh, I know. I had to, oh, I've been on the receiving end of you trying to describe house problems to me. And I've been like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, so the way that I fix like house problems, car problems is I call Spencer uh-huh. and uh, they get fixed. And uh, as long as you can describe it accurately. Yes, exactly. Well, I say car, car, uh, no that's, from, that's where terror comes in. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole idea of that's a connector, it, it's, it's this, this force that opposes, right? Mm-hmm. Now people think, okay, well, that means you're in opposition. Well, there's a good opposition is bad opposition. Cause when you're building a house and you're building an A-frame, you have one side on the left and you have one side on the right and they actually oppose each other in force. But together they make a structure, mm-hmm. right? They actually oppose each other in force. And that's the idea of Etzer Connecto is that you have people in your life who oppose you, but are for you. Mm-hmm. They're actually helping you to become something. And ideally in male, female friendships, relationships, covenantal relationships of like believers, that's what we're actually doing with each other. When they talk about men, iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a force that opposes, like you're actually helping mm-hmm. to strengthen each other, mm-hmm. right? When, when inside of your marriage, you should... Like sometimes you're not going to be, well, a lot of times you're not going to be in agreement about everything. <laughs> How long have you been married? I've been married 45 years. Yeah. So so I'm getting to the point where it's not quite as much not, as it used to be. Not quite <laughs> as much as it used to be. But there's plenty of things that like you don't just, you just have different opinions on and that's okay. You learn how to work together. It's almost like being married teaches you how to love Christians well. <laughs> yeah. Because if you're, if you're like, well, I know that I am committed to loving this person. Mm-hmm. So we will figure it out. Teaches mm-hmm. you grace and yeah. compassion yeah. and patience and yeah. All the things. All the things. <laughs> so God creates humanity, man and woman to be uh, co-patriots to fulfill his purpose in the world. And that's the goal from the very beginning. Now, once again, Genesis 3 is coming. And so we're going to talk about that probably in this episode. But before all that, the relationship of man and woman, they're partners that work together. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. This is the foundational thing. And so like when you want to go somewhere, you always got to know where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, then Genesis three happens. And I want to reference something we talked about last year, which I have becoming more and more convinced about. Is that in this section where Adam and Eve, they reach out and they just say, we want to define good and evil on our own terms. 
mm-hmm. right? We want to we want to take this knowledge of good and evil. We want to have the ability to decide for ourselves what is good and evil. Mm-hmm. Very dangerous in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. which goes back to why you don't want to eat from that tree. Yeah, yeah, which <laughs> is exactly why you don't eat fruit. Wait, that's not that's not oh, no, the takeaway. No, no, no. Uh, that, that tree, that tree, that specific tree, <laughs> capital T. There's this this section where people say, "Well, the humanity is given a curse," and I have maintained, and we discussed, and and I'm becoming more convinced that there is not actually a curse that's levied on mankind. And especially after talking through Torah, I I absolutely believe that to be true mm-hmm. because the snake is cursed to crawl on his belly. And then he says to Adam that the ground is cursed because of you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Adam is not cursed, but the ground is cursed because of him. And then we get into this very interesting piece. Tim Mackey has a great clip. I might put it in the show notes where he talks about what's going on in Genesis 3. But it tells the man that he says, you're going to produce fruit from the field through thorns and thistles and sweat of your brow. Right. It's going to be difficult now. And then there's this right after that comes this part where they talk about the women. They say, you're going to have increased pain in childbirth. That's probably what most people are familiar with in that portion of scripture. Problem is, there's a word for childbirth in Hebrew, and that's not the one that's used. Mm. Because childbirth throughout the book of Genesis is used over and over and over and over again. Like it happens so many times. Mm -hmm. The word that's actually used and is used also throughout the the Old Testament is this word for you're going to have increased difficulty in getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then Timaki posits, he says, now you have this duality of uh, the ground is cursed because of you, mm-hmm. so man is going to have difficulty producing fruit. Mm-hmm. And woman is also going to have difficulty producing fruit. Right. Mm-hmm. It is the same issue that they're having in their different spheres. Now, I think the tendency to hear what I just said is that I said that all women need to just bear babies and all men need to work the field. It's not what I'm talking about because this is this yeah. is this is patriarchal uh, language from a long time ago. It's it's talking in general terms about uh, man and woman, right? Yeah. And, and again, remember that when Genesis was translated from Hebrew to English, they took a language that had about four to six thousand words mm-hmm. and then translated it into a language that had about fifteen thousand at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's let's yeah. go back to what it actually says here. We'll take our best guess. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. We always want to give grace to the translators because they do phenomenal work. Yeah, but this word doesn't mean uh, childbirth. It does mean um, mm-hmm. in, in to get pregnant. Now, the interesting thing about that is we just finished at the end of last season. We finished Deuteronomy. Yeah, and one of the promises that God has throughout the Torah is He says that if you follow after Me, He He gives these list of things over and over. He says your Fields will produce fruit, uh-huh. your animals will reproduce, uh-huh. and you will bear lots of children. Uh-huh. Okay. So what is God effectively saying in light of Genesis 3, what happens when you actually line up your will with his? Rest. That that, that happened, not a curse, yeah. but the situation, you created this, this is the effects, Yeah, will be reversed yeah. if you walk with me. Correct. Mm-hmm. And then he says, if you don't, your fields are going to die. Your enemies mm-hmm. are going to rage you. You're not going to have children. Like, you're going to be under the curse of the ground, mm-hmm. right? Not the curse of humanity, the curse of the ground, mm-hmm. right? Now, if you listen and you you want to say that they have levied a curse on them, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. You can just disagree with me. That's totally fine. But we should see the imagery of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's super important because it, it really helps us understand what does Jesus actually come to do? Because throughout the rest of the Tanakh, the Old Testament, Israel struggles to follow after God. They mm-hmm. struggle to actually accept that which he's given freely, mm-hmm. right? 
And what Jesus does is he fundamentally changes our nature so that we are actually able to receive everything that God has always wanted to give us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. We will talk about that at some point because it's a really, it's a really, it's so profound. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why the the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus is a pivotal moment in history for the entire world. Mm-hmm. Right? God never leaves us without a way out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's always following him and doing his will. Mm-hmm. I mean, even from Genesis, even right. from the beginning, there was, here's your way out. Right. You know, later when you're mm-hmm. talking about doom. Yeah. We often miscue curses with, like, punishment. Yeah. Sure. Right. Or, and those the, and those at the root are two different things. Like, right. to be yeah. punished is one thing, or disciplined isn't one thing, versus to be cursed is a whole, you know, totally not the same. Right. Right. And so, you have to be able to separate those two out. Like, there was a punishment and discipline that happened when we stepped out of Eden. Right. Yeah. Death, toil of the ground, mm-hmm. hard work, sweat of your brow, all that stuff, right? That's a, that's a discipline. Mm-hmm. That's a punishment. That's not a... Curse. And consequences of your actions. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I've, I was having this conversation with somebody. They say, well, will God forgive me if I X, Y, Z? And I said, well, here's the deal. Like, so let's say that you, you before you're married, you step out, you get somebody very good. God will absolutely forgive you for having a relationship outside of marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There still might be a baby. Mm-hmm. Right? There still might be fractured relationship between mm-hmm. you and this person if you don't do or do not work things out. Mm-hmm. Right? That doesn't go away. You still have a responsibility there, there, for that. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is still there is still a not a penalty. I'm going to call it just a, mm-hmm. a repercussion of what a consequence consequences. Of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was like, that isn't necessarily brought on by God. That is just a natural part of what the world is at this point because the yeah. world is fallen. It hasn't been redeemed. It hasn't been passing through fire as Peter was talking about, purified back to uh, heaven coming to earth. It's not there yet. And so we live in a world where when you have these, when you step out and you're doing these things, you're going to have consequences that stick with you. To your point, Spencer, like when you don't trust God to determine good and evil on your own terms, this is what's going to happen. This is just what it looks like. There's a reason why God told you to do it one way. It turns mm-hmm. out if you create the system, you have a pretty good idea of how it should run. Uh, you know where you're going to put in the escape yeah. clauses well and you know like i was having that i was having that conversation actually with your husband but we were talking i was talking about it, i said i said you know people are like oh well, why death decay and i was like well god told us how the world's supposed to operate and then we mm-hmm. choose to operate outside of it and then we're like well why did why is my body messed up mm-hmm. why is my mind messed up why is my spirit messed up mm-hmm. because it's not meant to be that way yeah mm-hmm. you're meant yeah. to be in harmony with the way god created the world but we're out of sync mm-hmm. i mean it's a beautiful thing we call free will but it's also a terrible thing we call free will. Mm-hmm. Have you ever formatted an Excel sheet? Not well. Not well. <laughs> so I worked at a place where like they had some Excel sheets that were like expertly formatted. Yeah. It was awesome. And every time I went in there to look at something, somehow something changed. <laughs> right. And then I would and then the HR person would like come give me an earful. And then be like, okay. And then she's like, I just spent two hours fixing everything, finding the problem. Don't ever touch this again, right? But it's really easy to go in and be like, oh, well, that seven should be a six. And then you change it. And then all of a sudden your whole thing just falls apart, right? Right. Um, And so to your point, like it's really easy. Like God designed everything. He knows how it works. And it's really easy for us to step in and mess it up. Right. Yeah. I think it should be this way. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this too should be a four. Oh, look at that. Everything broke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially with Excel sheets, 
the cascade effect on oh, all of your yeah. other sheets and all of your, uh -huh. oh my gosh, I mean, avalanche. <laughs> but yeah, we're talking about Excel and there's somebody here who's like hyperventilating because they can just feel like you messing with their system. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, could, they could just feel it. Yeah, they can feel it right out. We'll keep him away. Yeah. One of the things, the reason I bring all this out is, is to point out like in the beginning, man and woman, partners, compatriots, go, subdue so mm -hmm. the earth, fill it, be fruitful, multiply, you do this together. Okay. Post-fall, like together, you both are going to have consequences and they're very similar things. They're just mm -hmm. in your own realm of what God is doing in your life. Mm -hmm. You're actually both responsible for following after and following God. And as you do that, you start to see this reversal of everything that's come before because God starts to bless your walk. And so now instead the ground is blessed because of you. Like the places are blessed because of you. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's really actually clear and, and get a little Pentecostal here for sure. But when believers in Christ carry the Holy Spirit and go places, yeah. their very presence changes atmosphere. Yeah, mm -hmm. it does. Right? Because you carry God into a place. And so if it's broken, you start to see light come in. Mm -hmm. Right? It's one of the reasons that I love, I always pray for and encourage Christians who work in jails. Because mm -hmm. it's such a dark place to work. I was like, but their presence shifts atmospheres because the presence of God goes with you. And mm -hmm. coming back to this idea of the temple, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things yeah. that I was going to say in talking about that each one had uh, consequences mm -hmm. for their actions mm -hmm. within their purview or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Which doesn't mean that the only thing women should do is have babies. Right. You know, I mean, and doesn't mean that Adam, the only thing he should do is work, right. you know, which that has gotten skewed. Right. And, you know, it it it's it was written in a patriarchal time. Sure. Particularly yeah. where this was the jobs and this is to, to identify with that. Yeah. Well, 100 percent. And we're going to try to pull that out over the next seven or eight weeks. Uh, a lot of these these things where, where God has worked through women in leadership, in uh, elevated, elevated office. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I was actually talking about with a friend today is I said, well, we're talking and we're talking about women serving in ministry. I was like, not every woman should be a pastor. No. Or a missionary. Not every or man a prophet. should be a pastor or. Exactly. A that's, that's the, that's the follow-up too, is there's lots of people who are serving in pastoral ministry that probably shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. Right. So what we are trying to do is dispel this idea that because of your gender, you're unqualified. Right. Now, listeners, if you disagree with us, that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. We're going to love you anyways, and we'll just disagree and figure it out, mm -hmm. right? We both love Jesus, and we're going to figure it out. This is not a salvation issue, and if yeah. you think it is, then I would love to buy you a French fry. Just a French fry. Just one? To have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a short conversation. Okay. One French fry. Got it. We'll buy you two if you agree with them. Yeah, we, we will just... I'll <laughs> Maybe ketchup. We want to let you know, just because you're listening here, it doesn't mean you have to have to agree. Mm -hmm. Like People are going to have different perspectives, but I do expect you to be consistent, and we're going to talk over the next six, seven weeks what that actually looks like, mm -hmm. right? So talking about Torah, some of the things we talked about last year that I thought were actually women-specific like, that I wanted to bring up. You remember when we talked about the test for the unfaithful wife? Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with this mm -hmm. story? Okay. So in the book of Numbers, mm -hmm. there is this, this test that's given for the unfaithful wife. And it's this really weird story that when you read, you're like, what is going on here? <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So the story essentially posits that if a man thinks his wife is unfaithful, he has to go talk to the priest. They have to go to the priest together. And then the priest is going to take dirt from the floor, put it in some water and make her drink it. And if she's been unfaithful, her, she's her, basically her innards are going to show up and die. And if she, nothing happens, then the guy can't bring that accusation against her anymore. Right. Okay. Now we said that sounds really weird in our context because we live in the 21st century. 
It is really weird to interpret it from the first century. But I said, now you got to understand that in their society, women had no recourse if they were accused of adultery. They could just be divorced, sent away, left with nothing. Mm -hmm. God says, no, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are a wife and you haven't been unfaithful, do you really care about drinking dirty water? Other than the fact that it's dirty water. It's not going to do anything. Might make your poop a little gravelly. Well, until I'd, I mean, contextually, be fair. Majority of the water was dirty. Yes, like it's true. So it's not like it'd be that dirty. It's not. It's not too much different. And if you have uh, committed adultery, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to drink it because you know what's going to do to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what it does is it gives uh, women a recourse to actually one come against their husbands, and also they have to bring it to the priest. And if they bring a false accusation, there is it, there's a very strong shame and honor culture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the husband will actually bring shame. So there, it gets rid of a lot of baseless accusations, mm-hmm. right? Because they're like, well, you cheated on me. Well, well let's go to the priest. Mm-hmm. Here, give me the water. Yeah. If you haven't done it, like you don't care. You know, you're not mm-hmm. doing anything. Yeah. So we're like, this thing that seems like it's an anti-woman thing is actually very progressive when you're actually looking in the context of what it's actually talking mm-hmm. about. It's actually elevating rights. It gives women both power and dignity in this, in this context. Mm-hmm. And that's really important because in their culture, they're very suppressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it works along the same lines of when the two mothers came to Solomon, mm-hmm. each claiming the baby. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, we'll cut the baby in half and you can both have. Right. And, the, you know, there's a psychology in here. And yeah. the same with the, the dirty water. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you haven't cheated, you're not going to worry about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and the mother whose baby it was said, no, give it to her. Yeah. The mother would rather the baby stays alive. Yes. Then and they never have it. Yeah. Then the baby would be cut in half. Right. And now, to be fair, most fathers would also. Yeah. You know, uh, we would just also probably get in a fight because you know, that's, that's how we roll. But if I if my husband's mm-hmm. falsely accusing me, you know, give, yeah. give me the water. Yeah, give me the water. Yeah, it, 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 it gives you uh, actionable recourse, which yes. is a big deal. And it's not there was power. Yeah. And then we talked about in Leviticus, there is this this prescription on childbirth. So when women give birth, like they're unclean for a certain amount of time because. There's discharge and all sorts of things. But for boys, the time is half of what it is for the women when they're when they're born with daughters. And there's a lot of conversation about that. But we said, why don't we assume that God's actually for women instead of against them? Mm-hmm. And think about why this might be the case. So if you go into a patriarchal society where women are not valued as highly as men, where daughters might be cast aside so that they can actually have boys, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, left out in the wilderness, those types of things. Mm-hmm. If you have to spend twice as much time with the girls mm-hmm. every time that they're born, mm-hmm. generation after generation after generation after generation, what's going to start happening? You're going to start to have more affection and more more like connection connection mm-hmm. with the daughters, and daughters are going to start to matter more and more, especially mm-hmm. to the mothers. And so it, it doesn't necessarily make a change immediately, but it is going to generationally. Right. Mm-hmm. Mothers, mothers and daughters are going to become closer and closer. They're, they're going to be valued more and more and more over time. It's going to take time mm-hmm. because you can't necessarily change a culture instantly. Mm-hmm. Right. I wish you could. I was discussing the same thing. Takes a lot of time. Yeah, it takes a lot of time. But a lot of the things that we see happening in Leviticus and Numbers and Torah as a whole is God instituting changes that are promoting them to be more ethical, loving, kind people. Yeah. The problem is if you take Leviticus and you compare it to modern law, it seems really archaic. Well, mm-hmm. that's because it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to compare it against what, what they were doing and what are they actually trying to do inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even modern, like in modern life, if you follow Levitical law, your family would be so much healthier. Mm-hmm. Right? 
like in general, like there's, there's some things that don't necessarily apply because we're not desert people. Mm -hmm. Like we are definitely not desert people. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Especially if it's a temperature exciting today. Yeah, I know. It's very, <laughs> it's very cold today. Last week I was in the high desert in yeah. the winter and it was like 65 and I was like, this is a beautiful summer day. Sleep. And then I was like, I don't want to be here in the summer. Like. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's mm -hmm. real hot. Yeah. At the, I remember in numbers also, mm -hmm. Zalafahe's daughters. Mm -hmm. You remember that story? I wondered how to pronounce that. Yeah, I'm so many probably on this thing. You're, like, you're, that's not right. <laughs> you're whipping through it really fast. Yeah, I'm just going to pretend like I said it right. Zalif, we'll just Zalif ahead. Yeah, big old Z's. <laughs> His daughters, like he dies and all the the males in their family die. And so the daughters are left without anything. And the people are like, well, I mean, I guess we'll just take their land. Right. Because, you know. And God was like, uh -uh. yeah, that's not happening. Like we, we're going to make sure. And then we're also going to make sure that they can never lose their land. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we start seeing over and over again throughout Torah, and you can go listen to last season. Like, we we point them out every a lot of times that they show up. Mm -hmm. God is for women. Mm -hmm. He's always promoting that they need to they need to be taken care of. He's talking about there's specific rules about taking care of widows and orphans mm -hmm. and aliens and you know yes from Mars no we uh, say not from, the ones from, from foreign space <laughs> from foreign countries. But there's a lot of prescriptions because widows don't have anybody to take care of them. He says no, nope, you're going to take care of them. Mm -hmm. orphans don't let everybody take care of them. No, you're going to take care of them. Might does not make right. In fact, mm -hmm. God is going to say that your ability to love your neighbor is going to be your defining characteristic. Mm -hmm. Then we actually have some of my favorite characters in the Bible, which are the midwives in Exodus 1. Yeah. Like, we pointed this out, too, where when Pharaoh goes to these midwives and is like, hey, your nation's getting too strong, kill every boy mm -hmm. under the age of two. Yeah. They, they don't because they fear God. Which, side note, why do they fear God? They haven't really had an encounter with God for 400 years. Yeah. Yet they still fear him. Right. But isn't isn't there maybe something about witnessing birth on a regular basis that connects you with the divine? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I would yeah. think so. It, it Midwife has, to, to be called as a midwife, and I had one of my children at home with a midwife, and it is a calling, and it is there is a spiritual aspect to yeah. it that you cannot deny watching mm -hmm life happens, mm -hmm. you know, and be created and come to fruition. Yeah. And yeah, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. One, well, they're just like, I mean, cause they're, they're basically flipping the bird to Pharaoh because they're like the most powerful guy in the world at the point. And they're like, yeah, we're not gonna listen to you. We recognize what God is doing and we're not going to do mm -hmm. that. And there's, and there's an interesting paradigm in this, in the story, cause they straight up lie to Pharaoh. Yeah. And God is okay with it. Yeah. Right? My, it's my favorite right? as well. These women are so stout. We like, we're running to get there. And yeah. the babies have already popped out. And so we can't do anything about it. Right. Yeah. That is the right thing. Yeah. Which, which is like, if yeah. you look at it at its face value, like that's a complete lie because you could show up a little late and still do what Pharaoh asked. Right. Yeah. But they're like, they're like, oh, well, we can't do it because we can't do what you asked because man, they're just, they're just too quick at pushing them out. Right. Yeah. Hey, these Hebrew women. Uh, yeah. Right. They're yeah. just. <laughs> And if we just hear the cork pop and we're like trying to get over there, but it's, yeah, right, let's get through. Yeah, I am. They're yeah. And then at the end of Exodus one, it got it talks about how God blessed these midwives. Yeah, with families. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. And honor and yeah. Most cultures honor midwives mm -hmm. because of that sacred spiritual mm -hmm. act. You know. And and it's so it's interesting because talking about the Exodus, it's because most of Torah re revolves around them leaving. And then them wandering and then they're going in, right? Mm -hmm. But 
when they come out of out of Egypt, God takes them to Sinai and he starts to talk to them about the 10 words, the 10 yeah. commandments we call them. Mm-hmm. But he talks about how important it is to remember the Sabbath. And we talked about how Sabbath is this day where you recognize your identity, that you're made in God's image mm-hmm. and that you don't, you rest on this day knowing God is going to provide the other six days of the mm-hmm. week. Now, the significance of that is if, to your point, if you're in slavery, you're only valued for what you can produce. Mm-hmm. Like day in, day out, how many bricks can you make? How many babies can you make to make more bricks? Mm-hmm. Right? This is your value when you're under the uh, yoke of oppression of slavery is you are valued for what you can produce. And when you can't produce any more, suddenly you have no value. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important because next week we're going to be talking about women of promise yeah. throughout Genesis, but a lot of them are barren. Mm-hmm. So from that mentality, they have no worth. And God says, yes, they do. Mm-hmm. He strongly disagrees mm-hmm. and, uh, and actually brings promise through them. And, I, and so it's interesting that the nation is taught uh, you need to rest one day of the week so that you recognize your production doesn't come from your ability, but from my blessing mm-hmm. and that uh, you are not valued for what you can produce, but because you are mine. Yeah. But then it's interesting because then throughout the rest of Torah and Tanakh uh, through the Old Testament and even portions of the New Testament, women are still only valued for what they can produce. And so like some of them get the message and some of them definitely don't. Yeah. It's hard to let go of old habits, so. Yeah. Right. Especially in a patriarchal society where that is just perpetrated to you and presented to you and, you know, I and, I will divorce her because she doesn't have, can't have kids and I'm going to yeah. get another wife. Right. You know? And in every surrounding culture had a different view on women. Yeah. Right. Like the Egyptians, the Palestine, Palestinians, the Babylonians, Assyrians, like every surrounding culture that they came up against over time, they had a different view. Right. And then God's God's there. He's like, I'm putting value on women and other cultures were not. Yeah. So like the fact that there were like simple laws written about women's rights in right. Torah, yeah. test to the unfaithful wife, like yeah. uh, redemption punishment for daughters. Yep. Uh, you know, it's like, right. that's, that's not those are not things that you saw culturally. Yeah. So from the beginning of scripture, you have this value placed on women that is on heard of mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in the surrounding cultures. And so kind of one of the things we're hoping to do over the next seven, eight weeks is help you understand that God doesn't stop there. He elevates. Mm-hmm. Just like with his message, his kingdom, his people, it goes from a guy to his family, to a nation, to yeah. you know massive exodus from Egypt, to taking over the land and kings and kingdoms all the way into Jesus, like it, it grows and there's more and mm-hmm. more and more things that are happening. And then it's open to the entire world through, through mm-hmm. the Gentiles and God is not bringing less. He's always doing more. Mm-hmm. He's always doing much more than we think he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so to stop short and to stunt what God is doing in the life of anybody is probably a bad idea. Mm-hmm. It's probably a bad idea for us to do. And so we're not trying to change anybody's mind and we are going to be really overemphasizing women over the next seven, eight weeks. Okay. And the reason we're doing that is because they've been so de-emphasized mm-hmm. that we want to make sure that we understand we're partners built together to bring the kingdom of God wherever we go. Yeah. Preach it, bro. Yeah. And there's there's a underlying, and there's actually an underlying thing that goes on throughout all of this, and it's God bringing value to where other people see none. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you can, you can actually break that down just down to the basis of human life, too. 
Yeah. Where, where there's people who don't see value on their life and God is bringing value to them. Damn. Right. There's people who see themselves as so broken, so hurt, so outcast that there's, they bring nothing to the table. Why do I even live? Why am I even here? And God's reversing that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you see that, you see that story happening and you see that happening in the life of women in the old Testament where surrounding cultures put no value mm-hmm. and God said, let's reverse that. I want to add one piece of clarification because we're using a word a lot, and I think that it's gotten co-opted in modern culture. We're using the word patriarchal often. And what we mean by patriarchal is in their time, that means the men ran everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That does not necessarily mean the same thing as it would be today where people are like, you need to bring down the patriarchy. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the, We're not right. saying the t- same type of thing. What we're saying is in their culture, men have the ability to trade, do all these things. And that is their culture. We don't get to stand in judgment of it. Right. What we what we do look at is what does God do in the midst of it? Right. Jewish culture is not American culture. So we're not no. sitting here saying that Jewish culture was wrong. Mm-hmm. We're saying what was God doing in the middle? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can change history. And that's the way that culture ran. Yet. No, but but so you're looking at the past and yeah. you can't go, oh, this we're going to throw this out because yeah. of this, because it's history. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It is. It is actually interesting how often we try to rewrite history mm-hmm. rather than learn from it. Well, they yeah. say history's written by the victors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Over the next six, seven weeks, like I said, we're going to get into the context of women in the Bible and we're going to really heavily emphasize this. I, the, I imagine that we'll have more Q&A questions from this series than from most of them. Maybe gifts of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You might get a, more Q&A questions. We're going to try to do this with, uh, with a gentle leap and just talk about what we believe that the Bible is talking about and how do we yep. walk this out in unity together. Well, thanks for joining us, and until next time. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Love and Context. We hope you enjoyed this engaging conversation and gained valuable insights into the powerful message of love within the Bible. We'd love to hear from you and continue the conversation. Connect with us by sending us your questions, thoughts, and suggestions to loveandcontext at gmail.com. We greatly appreciate your feedback and ideas for future episodes. Stay connected with us on social media for updates, behind-the-scenes content, and additional resources. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook at Love and Context. Don't forget to hit that follow button to stay up to date with the latest episodes and join our growing community. Thank you for being part of the Love and Context family. Remember, love is at the heart of it all. Until next time, keep seeking wisdom, embracing love, and living out your faith in the context of today's world. Uh, let's see here. I got lost. By the way, if this does fall, like I'm leaving that in. It's going to be great.